You're listening to Conversations with Kerry, a series of audio recordings about things and people that I find interesting. If you would like to get in touch with me, you can reach me as K-H-O-A-T-H on Twitter or K-E-R-R-Y at G-O-T-S-S dot net. This is the travel edition of the intro, as I did not want to go back and retrieve all of my Reaper projects off Backblaze, but I do hope you enjoy the podcast. Okay, so welcome to this episode of Conversations with Carrie, and I am sitting here with my mother, and we are in the backyard at Narrabri, burning off some rubbish, and having a general chat, and... Recording birds. Thank you, bird. That couldn't have been any better timed. What day is it today? The seventeenth. Uh, of May. Yeah, about two in the afternoon. Half past two in the afternoon. Yeah, well, quarter past, past ten two. past two. Beautiful, sunny, sixteen degrees centigrade. Can't be bothered converting that to Fahrenheit at the moment, but it, it's a beautiful day. But as you guys have not come across my mother before on the on the podcast this is this is my mother Jackie and I'm going to be asking her a few questions about years and years ago because obviously she was the one who would know the most about me especially in my early years so 1976 not married for long I don't think I came along now from what you've told me you guys had a flood in 76? That's correct. Uh, and, and, and how much water are we talking? Like, apparently it was quite spectacular. It was quite spectacular. All the rivers were running. All the creeks were running. There was five roads into the town, mm-hmm. and you couldn't get in or out of the town only by helicopter. Ah. But you were out at Riverview at that time, though, yes, weren't I you? Yes, I was out at Riverview at that time. So that's sort of out of, out of town a bit. That's and 10, 20 k's out of town. 20 k's out of town, right, right. Burren Junction Road. Ah, okay, okay. And yeah, from what you've told me, you guys actually had to get a boat to to get into Weewall. That's correct. Right. So a next-door neighbour came over with a tractor mm-hmm. and a boat mm-hmm. and a station wagon mm-hmm. and they put the boat on top of the station wagon mm-hmm. and they towed the car with the tractor through the floodwaters to go towards Burren Junction to meet the ambulance. Uh-huh. So we had about 15 k's or, say, two foot six, three foot six water to go wow. through. Mm-hmm. And then we got to the dry land at up near the airport in Burren Junction where the ambulance was waiting mm-hmm. and then we had to go by boat for a while yep so they put me in the boat with a mattress now, now just to make a point here you were you're in contractions at this point right like yes, you, your, I was. your 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 contractions had yes, started in Riverview right that's okay right. right right so that's got to make things even more interesting yes so you know you're they're they're uh, my yeah. water had broken yep. and I started contractions yep. and I was three months early with the baby and you I were. said, yeah. no, we think we better get you out as soon as possible. So mm-hmm. I rang the doctor and the doctor amb- got the ambulance Yep. and then um, we got everything into action. Right, right. And they did actually get you to the hospital, obviously. They um, did. Took, oh, it was quite a while to t- get you into the hospital though. Uh, it took me about three hours. Three hours, yeah, three hours. Three okay, hours. okay. So... A lot of people messing around, working together to make sure you got where you needed to go. That's correct. And obviously, 
I arrived. Uh, no, you hadn't arrived at that time. No, no, no. Okay. Um, what happened was that they put me on an alcohol drip. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And because I was three months early, they didn't want me to come so quickly. So they rang Sydney because in those days they didn't have all the equipment. Yep. And um, I was doing some of my labour. So they said if they put me on an alcohol drip, that would slow the baby down mm-hmm. and slow the contractions down. So... Mm-hmm. He put me on a 100% pure alcohol drip, mm-hmm. which is different to the alcohol you drink. Yeah. It's a, it's a special one. Yep. And I was drunk as a skunk. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But quite the experience for you. And, and how much time did that get you? They kept me on the drip for a month. A month? Okay. A month. So they kept me on the drip for a month and um, my veins and that couldn't take any more. Yep. So they said that, okay, so she's starting to de- uh, dilate yep and um i was uh, you were determined to come mm-hmm. so the doctor said well we're just going to take you off the drip and we'll just let you come mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so but you must have been bored like i mean on the drip for a month like i know I you was. yeah you were climbing i was the walls saying and, all sorts yeah of things yeah yeah to the doctor's saying lovey yeah, yeah. come on babe jump yeah. into bed with <clears> yeah yeah and the doctor just said to the nurses and the other gentlemen around if she says anything, yep. take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. Because she's drunk as a skunk and she doesn't yep. know what she's saying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. So I um, <clears throat> made it into the world. You made it into the world and you were three pound, four ounces. I do remember that. Like, I, I, I personally don't remember that, but I remember you telling me that. Yeah. And um, they had to put me in a humidity crib. They had to put you into a humidity crib. Mm-hmm. And you were in the humidity crib for just on 24 hours mm-hmm. and then they ended up calling the priest in mm-hmm. because it was fluctuating a bit because your lungs weren't quite formed enough mm-hmm. and they had to ring Sydney and they rang Sydney again and they said that they had to increase the oxygen mm-hmm. but they didn't want to do that because they knew in those then that the oxygen could damage your sight or your yep. hearing. Yep, yep, yep. So what they did was that the priest came in and baptised you yep. with a syringe mm-hmm. in the humidity crib. Yep. And my mum and your dad yep. was the two people that witnessed you being baptised. Ah. I couldn't get out of bed because I was yep. pretty... Um, Recovering from the ordeal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. So then they uh, did that and then we they took me off the drip and then you came. Right, right. Okay, so all very, all very touch and go stuff. Obviously, not the most optimal experience for a first time mum. Mum, no, all a bit, all a bit much. Um, all a bit much. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Very teary. Yeah. Very upset. Yep, yep. But you, know, you got me home, and you know, did the usual stuff: raising babies, you know, feeding yep. stuff in the top end, cleaning stuff up from the bottom end, the usual stuff that happens with with babies. That's correct. Yep. Expressing milk from Expressing, my, that's right, you had to express milk. I had to yep. express milk, and yep. I used to put the express milk into sterilised containers and put it in the freezer, mm-hmm. and every second day I would go up to Wall, which was 60 k's away, mm-hmm. to deliver the milk so that they could feed you. Ah. Oh. So that was happening too for a little while. So there you go, the, 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 the nineteen seventy six version of DoorDash. So, all, all very interesting stuff. Now, so, 
when did you get to take me home? Like, well, I didn't get to take you home for three months. Okay. So you were in the Umidi crib for three months. Mm -hmm. And when you were full term, mm -hmm. and then you started putting a bit of weight on, mm -hmm. and the doctor said, well, we're going to take you out of the Umidi crib, and they took you out of the Umidi crib for a week, mm -hmm. and then you were allowed to come home. Ah. Then you came home, mm -hmm. and then we started the usual things of looking after you, bathing you, feeding yep, you. Yep, yep, yep. And... I was still expressing the milk and, and giving it to you by bottle because yep. it was easier that way for you. You yep. were more comfortable. Oh, okay. Right on, right on. Now, when was it that you guys discovered that I may have had a problem with vision? I remember some sort of story about a, a red T-shirt or something. No. What no. it was that about seven months down the track, mm -hmm. I had a rattle across mm -hmm. the cot, across mm -hmm. the bassinet. Mm -hmm. and I'd just finished changing your nappy and I'd just put you on your back mm -hmm. and you were lying there and the rattle was above you and I tapped the rattle mm -hmm. and it made a noise and you moved and made a bit of a noise about it. But, then yep. I did it once more and you put your hand up and you were trying to find uh, where the rattle was uh, and you couldn't find it. Uh, I did this two or three times. Mm -hmm, anyway, mm -hmm. then I picked you up and then I got a pencil and I went to see because you should be focused by then yeah yep yep and yep. been able to recognize things and mm -hmm. i put a pencil in front of you and Couldn't see, see see if you could move your eyes across with the pencil but your mm. eyes nah. didn't move no nah. so nah. i said to myself there's something wrong mm -hmm. so i went and got my mother-in-law yep and then she had a go and she couldn't get anything yep so when your dad came home that night, I said, we have to take Kerry back to the doctor tomorrow because mm -hmm. I don't think he can see and mm -hmm. he wouldn't believe me. Mm -hmm. So he said, well, you take him back yep. and see what the verdict is. So we came back into the doctor the next day and mm -hmm. saw the doctor mm -hmm. and he had me in the surgery for about an hour with you mm -hmm. and he couldn't get you to do anything either. Well, I'm, said, I'm, I'm still stubborn to this day, but in this particular case, there was a good reason. There was a good reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the doctor automatically rang Sydney to the Sydney Eye Hospital mm -hmm. and asked for Dr. Hornbrook, which mm -hmm. was the top specialist for blind people in back yep. then, yep. and made an appointment and um, two days later we were down in Sydney and you were seeing the specialist. Mm. And that's when we found out that you were definitely blind. Oh, there you go, there you go. So seven or eight months just before you had my brother, basically. That's correct. Yeah, okay. So it was all happening. It um, was all happening, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, I had fallen pregnant yep, during yep. those three months. Yep. That you were yep. supposed to be still inside me. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And I fell pregnant and I was um, to have Daniel in... December. December. December, December. Yeah, that's right, 28, in fact. Mm. So... How did you guys deal with that? I mean, that would have been a big... Well, it was a big shock mm -hmm. because we didn't think it would happen because I was on the pill. Mm -hmm. and it... Oh, no, I was talking about me being blind, but, yeah, I mean, you, you, got, you, got, you got pregnant with Daniel and you had him, so... Uh, and he was, he was absolutely... Um, he was going to be a good baby too, but yeah. he wanted to come early too, like oh. his brother. Oh. So I ended up down in Sydney. Again? Again, mm -hmm. waiting for three months, mm -hmm. full term, till nine months before Daniel could come. Ah. And uh, yeah, for, for our podcast listeners, uh, he can see, by the way. I can't. So um, that obviously worked. So we're, we're happy about that. Yeah. 
So, how did you deal with having a blind kid? Like, you know, um, I found it very hard because mm-hmm. I didn't have a lot of resources out where we are. No, it's, it's very isolated. Yep, and we are talking sort of 1977, 78. This is way back when we we had nowhere near the technology and resources and connectivity that we have today. That's right. So a lady got in contact with me from Sydney and at the Royal Blind Society and said we'd like you and your son to come down and we will try to set you up as much as we can to help you with your son. Mm -hmm. So we went down and they gave me these ideas on what things I should be doing for you and that Mm -hmm. and then later on five years later you were going to school there. Mm -hmm. Well interesting so and obviously a lot of those things worked out quite well. I was a pretty active kid once my brother was old enough to walk around and talk and get me into trouble, he was into getting me into trouble, uh, from That's what I can remember. Yeah. And I remember one day we we both climbed on the roof. Uh, we mustn't have been that old, I don't think, when we did that. I think you were all about four years old. Four. Up the ladder at four. Okay. Up the ladder at four. Right. Right. His father was supposed to take the ladder down and mm-hmm. lay it down on the ground and mm-hmm. he didn't do it. And Kerry followed the house around with his hand and he found this thing and he decided to go for a little wander. I did. And here he was up on the roof and I could hear footsteps above <laughs> my head yeah. in the kitchen. Uh-huh. And I sang out and asked where he was. He said, I don't know. <laughs> well, I said, I do. I think you're high up, so I would like you to just sit in one spot, uh-huh. and then I will come up and get you. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So we came up and we got you and we brought you back down. Oh, uh, well, must have been difficult. Two, two kids. Um, two children, fairly un- young, under 12 months. Un- under 12 months, and you know, raising those and looking after them and... We were getting into all sorts of, of trouble, sort of running around the place. And I mean, even you know, you know, when we're three, four or whatever, running around doing different things and and stuff like that. Sorry. It was a learning curve for all of us because yeah. we were all trying to learn how to just treat you as a normal child mm-hmm. and let you do as much as possible. Ah, so, you know, that's the key point. If you look at kids today, they don't, a lot of the parents out there don't do that with them. So I was outside running around, climbing things. Jumping on the trampoline. Jumping on the trampoline, getting covered in grease and oil and... Climbing towers. Climbing towers. Riding books, uh, riding bikes bikes down real steep ramps. That was a little bit later, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember that. So just to fill the podcast listeners in, we're out at the... We're at this property, I won't, I won't give their name, but we're at the property of some good friends of ours and they had this little push bike, like those little bikes that you sit on and you push along with your feet. And they had this big ramp that went from the top of their front door all the way down along this path, straight past this, and, and sort of two went straight... straight two rainwater tanks. Two rainwater tanks and sort of just stopped there. And so what I used to do, because it was fun was I would line this bike up with the front door and sit on it, give it a bit of a shove, roll, zoom down the path, straight past the two rainwater tanks and sort of come to a stop at the end of the path. And I must have done this a couple of hundred times when I was little. It was was, one of my favourite things to do. Interestingly enough, I came back a number of years later. What I had failed to notice 
when I first did this was that there was actually a drop off of about six feet, eight feet off to the off the side of the where you were taking the path. And if I had misjudged once, that would have been a, a very unpleasant experience. Disaster. Yeah, and it's interesting because when we were kids, I mean, yes, some stuff did happen to me. Most of it happened to my brother. It was my brother that jumped off the wardrobe onto the bed, missed the bed, landed on the floor and cut his head open on the training cup. I did have some injuries. There were some things that happened to me, but I think I was, I was uh, luckier, shall we say, most of the time. He, he seemed to get into more of the scrapes than I did. So that, that would have been an interesting experience for you. Once I got to four or five though, you, you guys had to make the difficult decision as to whether I was gonna you know, go to the Pilliger school um, here uh, or, you know, in, in, in Pilliger, or whether I was going to go away to school. Now, I have memories. He's no longer with us. I, I have memories of a fella called Bob O'Neill coming down to see us. That's correct. And he had, well, from what I remember, he had some fun little doll things that he was showing me in his bag of tricks, some different sort of faces and people and stuff like that. And he was talking to you about options as to whether to send me away to school or whether to take me down to uh, to, to, to Sydney. Yeah. Okay. We won't go too much into that. was a very difficult decision. And ultimately, you decided to send me down to Sydney. Yep. And that must have been hard for you because not only kid, first day of school, that's difficult anyway. First day of school, got to catch a train home that afternoon. Yes. Was it that afternoon or was it the afternoon after? Afternoon after. Uh, okay, okay. It would have been pretty tough. Yes. Yeah, I, I remember you, I actually do remember you dropping me off at the kindergarten. I yeah. do. And um, you weren't too happy about it. No. No. I was very upset. No, I can very understand that. Because I'm going to have to come back 500 kilometres. Yep. And I have to leave you in the city. Yep. And um, you weren't with us. Well, I mean, not to make you feel bad, but... You know, for the first few months, I did sort of cry myself to sleep, and I was very homesick, I will admit to that. Uh, it wasn't a lot of fun, but I was away at school, and I was learning things, and I was learning Braille, and so there was there was good bits, and there was bad bits, but I was very, very homesick. And in fact, I remember you guys used to call me twice a week. That's correct. Wednesday and Sunday. That's correct. Just to keep in touch with me, and tell me you guys were still around, and... Um, yeah, the usual. Tell you what we've been doing, doing and, and, yep. and hearing what you've learnt and what yep. you've been doing. Yep, yep. And then we'd heard you've been roller skating and you've been going to the beach. Well, see, we had this cool house parent called Michael Mooney and he thought we should do all sorts of cool things like ride bikes and roller skate. So I actually did roller skate and I think, if my memory serves me correctly, I got some roller skates for Christmas one year. You did? Yeah, I did. Got, yes, yeah. you got a new pair of roller skates for Christmas so you could roller skate while you were down in yeah. North Rocks. Yeah, and and I'm, and then another Christmas I got a kite. Yes. Do you, do you remember the kite? Yes, I remember the kite, yeah. yes. We used to go out and wait for the wind to come oh, yeah. so we could see if we could get this kite up. Never did. Well, no, I hardly never, ever did. It was, hardly did. No, no, it was a bit of a bit of a flash kite and it was one of those two-string kites and it was a bit bit much we didn't quite get that as as good as we would have liked to but definitely well hello rooster but definitely uh, an idea of getting me to do 
different things. All different sorts of things to get to sort of gain experiences and and be um, as independent as you can. Yeah. Do you remember? Well, you you would remember Peter and Sharon. Yes. Yeah. They they had a lot to do with me down yes. in Sydney. Sydney. And they took me abseiling. Yes. When I was young. Yes. So you know, six seven years I was going down ropes. Uh, yes. doing, doing all sorts, all sorts of, things. of things. Yep, yep. And I would argue that being able to do all of those things is important because it, it allows one to be more prepared for the world around them, you yes. know, more independent skills and, and stuff like that. Yep. And you ran across some other parents in your travels and some of them were quite good um some of them did do a lot of independent stuff and some of them not so good no uh, no so you, you saw all, all the way across the spectrum from, spectrum yeah yeah from from parents who wanted to parents who wanted to get the kids out doing everything um and parents who never took their kids n- out n- never took their kids just let them sit around you know listening to their tape recorder or in a chair or or, or whatever you know keep them out of the way don't get them into any sort of trouble now did you meet did you meet Bart bunting and the buntings do you remember the buntings yes, I remember yeah. Buntings, yeah yeah the one where the kids would go and you know throw themselves against the wall while he drove his bike around everywhere because they were worried he was going to run into them yes yeah yeah now Bart was another kid who got into everything yeah that's right yeah yeah but yeah, so interesting stuff, sort of fairly full childhood. Don't want to go too much into that, but stayed in a number of different places over the years. Stayed with the Bennetts for a while, stayed somewhere else for a while, stayed in another couple of places. And in 1986 or 1985, end of 85 or whatever, the decision was made to, to move me back to Tamworth. What motivated that? Do you remember? Well, they were trying to see... If- they could integrate blind children into normal schools mm-hmm. so that they could have a normal upgrade education like everybody else instead of being in a special school. Mm-hmm. And they rang me and wrote to me and asked for a request to see if you would like to be the first Sibian to have a go at it. Mm-hmm. And because you were so good with your mobility mm-hmm. and... That that's that's the reason why we ended up transferring you back to Tamworth and you finished your last two years. Two years of schooling in Tamworth at the high school. Well, I was actually well, no, no, no. You were at the primary school yeah. for a while. Yeah. So, so I was actually into. Well, the first time I was integrated was into Yates Avenue School, Dundas, yes. because I remember getting integrated there in yes. 1982. Two. Yep, and that was where they were just starting to integrate blind children into regular schooling and that all went well but then they decided you know sort of 85 towards the end of 85 or whatever that it was it it could be feasible to move me back to Tamworth that's right so I did move back to Tamworth I I did spend a year living at the crippled children's hostel and learn all different ways of disabling wheelchairs as you do especially when they're learning to play tricks on you and all that sort of stuff it was all a bit of fun and did have a great time there and, and and spent a year there but the advantage of being back at Tamworth was that I could come home every two to three weeks and have a weekend at home. That's right. So you'd go to uh, Narrabri on the Friday, pick me up from the bus, I'd go home with you. Sometimes we'd even get, you know, 
KFC, which was good when, yeah. when, when there was KFC. When there was KFC. Yeah. And we would spend the weekend at home and you'd get up very early. Do we know what sort of bird that is? Or you can't see no, it from... I can't see it. Oh, okay, all right. Okay. If it comes over this way, we'll... Yeah. And basically get up very early on the Monday morning and drive back to catch the bus. And where the first stop we'd go to would be the Narrabri Bakery. Narrabri Bakery. To get a nice hot pie yep. and a drink. Yep. And you sit in the car and have your pie and your drink. And I then did. I'd take you to the bus. Which I think left at about 20 to 7. 20 to 7. Yes. I think it was. And yes. it got into got into Tamworth at about half past 9, 20 to 10. Yes, correct. And I was always late for Monday school, but it was worth to have that weekend home. With with the family, with my brother and my sister. Sister. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know, anything you want to add? Any any memories that, that come to mind from, from from those years that you want to you want the listeners to hear about or anything well, like all that? All I could say is that he had a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, I did. And he enjoyed everything, and yep. especially when him and his brother got a new bike for Christmas one year. Mm-hmm. And they decided they would go around to the local pub the Pilliga pub and they were around there for ages mm-hmm. and I said to them be home before dark mm-hmm. yes mum we'll be home before dark dark had come and I'd rang the local switchboard and it was a, a switchboard there manual switchboard yeah manual switchboard and you plug in and you ask the lady to put you through to what number mm-hmm. and I said to the lady you couldn't tell me if you look out your window where you are and tell me if you could see two boys on a bike or over there and she said yeah they're fine <laughs> they're having a nice time in front of the pub uh-huh. Daniel is telling them this is how a blind boy rides his bike. <laughs> so he rings the bell and he's in front and the boy who's blind is riding his bike behind. Yeah. And they're getting money for it. <laughs> and at 7 o'clock at night, they finally turned up at home, but they had a great time. Well, now, the money wasn't my idea. I'd just like to point that out. The money wasn't my idea. That's all right. Yeah. I, I, I will admit to following along and riding the bike, but I remember that night because... We um, can't do that in 2021. We we went to bed without dinner. We were in trouble. <laughs> and uh, they chained up our bikes in the shed. Although I will say in retrospect that the, the punishment really wasn't suitable because they chained up our bikes for six months, which is fine. But after about a week, we didn't care about our bikes anymore. So not so awesome. But we were in a lot of trouble, uh, and we weren't to ride our bikes in front of the pub and and do those naughty things again because, you know, we had quite a lot of attention from the townspeople. It was certainly a spectacle. Everybody was caring. They they knew what to expect. Yeah, yeah. Well, they – and that was the thing. Because I lived in a small country town, people were – Used my other to inter- eyes. Yeah, they they were used to interacting with me. I knew most of the people. I knew. I remember the day we had a. It was it was Scotty. I can't remember his last name, but Scotty and I were wandering up and down the streets of Pilliga with a box of oranges, trying to sell them off to people, and we ended up making a dollar and sixty three cents, and we went and <laughs> spent it all at the Pilliga shop on on lollies. <laughs> As you do. As you do. But that—that's when I was um—that's when I was staying with them. 
with Carol and Paul at the post office. Yeah. So that was... That was a lot of fun. It was. And I, I did spend a lot of time... I did stay with different people over the years and had a lot of different family experiences. And another time, it was Christmas time, mm. and a very good friend had a horse and sulky, and he was going to be going to pick up Santa Claus to take him down to see all these children. Mm -hmm. So Kerry got priorities, and Kerry was allowed to go for a ride with Santa Claus in the horse and sulky. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. So they're going down the road, and they get down to where they were, and um, the Santa Claus had to hop out, and when he hopped out, the horse and sulky took off and Kerry was in the sulky hanging on until the horse pulled up. Now, now what I heard was actually what happened was the sulky took off and I held on because I was absolutely terrified and what I was told is that they actually lifted me out of the sulky before the, the thing went through the fence. Cause That's the correct. Yeah, the horse yeah. went through the fence Friends. with the sulky and, yeah. and went off, you know, where it wasn't supposed to go. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was one of the most – we had this thing in Pilliga called the Christmas tree, which Santa Claus would turn up and, and give kids presents. I found um, that was probably one of my most exciting Christmas trees because certainly the experience. And it's always been the talk of the town ever since. Yeah. Yep. Well, I remember, I actually do remember they were sort of saying that the horse was a bit skittish and they thought yeah. it was going to be okay, okay. but... Something spooked <coughs> the horse. Yeah. And when the horse spooked, it took off. Yeah. So there you go. There you go. So there was two people in a vehicle chasing after this... <laughs> horse. Horse and Soggy with a little boy in it. Yep. Yep. I remember that. It was all pretty scary. And the, 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 the sulky was moving. Yeah, I was a bit... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, that's probably enough recording for now. But we, we do hope that anybody who's listened to this has enjoyed this, this look into my uh, childhood experiences. Thank you, Mum, for uh, being on the podcast and, and sharing some stories. And if we get some good feedback on this one, we might do another one on something else once I've edited this up and um, put it up online. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Yeah, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you.